There you go. Okay, beautiful. All right, so let's go. Today's daf is daf Chof Aleph, page 21 in Mesachas Tainas. And we pick up from the very top line, the second to last word, Ilfa. Okay, another beautiful, uh, beautiful daf ahead of us. We're going to get uh, a lot of Agatha Gemaras, including some well-known uh, stories, important stories that that uh, it's, it's as members of Klal Yisrael, we should all know, and hopefully we'll be able to extrapolate some important messages from these mices. Here we go. Ofa and Rabbi were in Kail. All right. Now we're learning Tuba, and they ended up not having enough money to, to be able to remain in Kail. All right. They learned until they had no more money left. Amri, they said, now that we have no, mon- no, no more money to learn Torah, let's get out there and uh, go get a job. So that we can fulfill in ourselves the Pasuk of Efes There's an achrayis, there's a responsibility from Parshas Re'eh, Pasuk of Parshas Re'eh, that uh, a yid has to make sure that they're not poor. So they started traveling on their way to go get a job. And they were sitting and eating lunch. They were breaking bread. Also, two Malachi Asharis came by. I'm sorry. Yeah, they sat to eat lunch underneath a tree, um, underneath a, a dilapidated wall, I'm sorry, and they were eating bread. Also, two Malachi Asharis um, were there, okay? Now, what happened? What, what, what happened with these Malachi Asharis? Shamay Rebbechen and Damar Chadlechavi Rebbechen heard one say to his friend, Nishtu Alayu Haigudav in a Kalinum, let's knock this wall over. Remember, because working off yesterday's daf, we were dealing with that uh, it's, uh, a person should not put themselves into a situation of sakana, a situation of danger, and they were sitting and breaking bread, leaning against the bad walls. So Malachim said, let's go kill these these uh, guys, why? Because they're leaving the yeshiva. They're leaving and they're involving themselves in business. Other Malach says, nothing doing. Leave them alone. Do not kill them. Because one of them, one of them has a lot to add to Klal Yisrael. Mean, literally meaning his hour has not yet come. And therefore, in that zchus, in that merit, we have to make sure that they remain safe. Ravichan shama ilfa loisham. Ravichan heard this conversation. Ilfa dinir. Amar le Ravichan and the ilfa shama mar bidi. Did you hear anything? Amar le loy. I didn't hear anything. Amar. Shabichan says either he said it out loud or he said it to himself. Midishami anav ilfa loisham. And the fact that I heard and ilfa did not hear shmami na. It must be lididi kaimala shaita. I'm the one who has. Has uh, you know a lot of uh, a lot ahead of me within the walls of the yeshiva, and he basically told Ilfa, "You go get a job. I'm going back to the base mentors." Omar le says, "I'm going back to yeshiva." There should never be a poor person in the middle of the lane. Okay, so what happened was Rav went back to Yeshiva and Ilfa went into business. Now, Ilfa now comes back to the Yeshiva. He's now a successful Balabas. 
Moloch Rabbi Echanan. And Rabbi Echanan had at that point been appointed Rosh Yeshiva. Now, there's an important addition to mention over here. Okay, an important addition. And that is, Rashi points out that when it used to be, that when people were appointed Torah leaders, they were made wealthy. It was very important. We know this applied to the Kain Gadol and others because it was very important that the Torah leaders of Klaishal were held in a particular stature in the eyes of everybody else. And therefore, we made sure that they were taken care of financially. They were taken care of, you know, as far as any, any Gashmias is concerned, so that they can focus uh, solely on their Ruchnias. So what ultimately happened was, if you're following the story, what's happening here, Rabbi Yechner and Ofa had, had no Parnasa. They both left. Rabbi Yechner heard the Malachim say, that you know the 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 hour of one of them is gonna is gonna come. Rabbi Yechon was the one who heard. Rabbi ultimately went back to Yeshiva and he got appointed as Rashiva, meaning he he that became his parnas. Okay, so in the meantime, Rabbi Yechon got his parnas within the walls of the Bismedrish, and Ilfa remained out in you know as a Choshiva Balabas. He went out to work and uh, obviously set aside time and was and his life was dictated by Tyre as well. But listen to what happened. The outsiders of Rav Ilfa and Rabbi Echanan didn't really grasp that everybody just has their own place. Some people's places within the walls of the Bismedrish. Some people's places is outside the walls of the Bismedrish. So Amrulai, they said to Ilfa, Yosef Mar Begars, if you would have stayed in Yeshiva, like Hadar Malach Mar, you could have been the Rosh Hashim. Meaning, Oi, Chabal, Chaval that you're not the Rosh Hashim. You shouldn't have left in the first place. And you know what Ofa says? Let's follow along. This is fascinating. Ofa says, you're wrong. You could be a Tyrantik of Balabas. You could be a Tamil Chacham. You could be a Balabas. You could be out at work. I need to turn up Parnasa, and I still have Tyrant in my life. You don't need to be concerned about me. Listen to what he says. He hung himself on the sails of a boat. He climbed up on top. Omar and he said, Ask me whatever you want about where Abhiya taught, where Abhishia taught, I can't show you an answer from a Mishnah or a Brisa. I'll jump off and I'll kill myself. Meaning, I mean, who's going to try to get him to commit suicide, right? Obviously, obviously, uh, you're not going to have a nice person come along and be like, Yeah, I got a question. I want you to kill yourself. He was basically stating, Try me. Try me. Even though I went out to business, I still know my beads. So, also, Hahusaba. There was an elderly Yid, um, Tonale, and he said the following, Bryce. Listen to these statements and Bryce's because this is very, very applicable. Very applicable to us. Listen to this. A person says to his attorney, okay? We'll call it an attorney. Tenu shekel abonai b'shabbos. I want my children to get a shekel a week. And, you know, they needed a lot more than a shekel. Really, they needed a sella a week. Now, we're dealing with somebody who's writing his will. And he says, listen, when I pass away, I want to make sure my estate supports my children. Make sure they get a shekel. But they really need more than that. 
So what do we do? So it says, if the family needs a cellar, you give them a cellar. Ve'im Omar. But if, let's say, the person says to his attorney, we'll call it, al-titnu lahem el shekel make sure they only get a shekel, a nice shekel. We don't give them the full cellar that they need. You know why? Listen to this. This is so, this is so interesting. And, um, and many of us need to make this decision when writing a will and, and um, deciding what's going to be the future of our families. Do you want to give your children a lot at once? Or do you want to say, I know, you know, it's, it's, it's an it's a important responsibility for each of us, you know, no matter what age we're at. So I have somebody, you know, uh, and who puts together. And one of the questions that this attorney asked me when I was putting together my living will is if something were to happen, right? And you have life insurance, eh? do you want your children to get that money when they're 18, when they're 21, when they're 30, right? So do you want, let's say a person has uh, $3 million in life insurance. Do you want an 18 year old child to have access to a million dollars? Or do you want to say, you know, I prefer they not have that money until they're 30, 40, 21, whatever the parent chooses, but I don't want them to have the money because I want them to learn a work ethic. I want them to have a work ethic, right? And, I, and you know, I, I'll be able to subsidize it and give them something, but I don't want them to have a lot at once. So this is what's happening. The guy says, I want them to only have a shot. It means I want them to have something, but not everything. This way, they could work also. Ain't nice them a shekel. So we only give a shekel. What if the guy says like this, that if the children pass away, then I want other people to inherit my estate. Then whether he says, give them a shekel or only give them a shekel, then you still limit it to a shekel. You know why? Because you see that the person only has, not only, the person has the interest of other people inheriting as well. So it could be what this guy wants is to limit the amount of money directly to his children because he wants other people to be able to receive money as well. He doesn't want to keep all the money in the family. All right. So this is the statement that this elderly id said to Ilfa, who's hanging on top of the, the sails. Omar Lay. So Ilfa says, money, Rav Meir, he Omar, You know what I have to say about that statement? The authors of Meir who says that there's a chiv, there's an obligation, there's a mitzvah to follow the will of the mace, the one who passed away. Okay, because you see how nuanced we need to be to follow along what exactly was the expression. Did the person say, I want them to have the money, but I want it to be a shekel? Then we need to balance it out. He really wants them to have that. What if he says, I only want them, the only one of a shekel? That means the guy wants it to be limited so that the children don't get all the money. It's very gishmak, right? Comes along Ilfa, and Opa says, I have what to say about that. I'll prove to you that I'm, that I'm a, uh, a Tamil Chacham still, even though I'm out doing the world of, uh, in, the, in the world of work. Okay, There's a lot to take from the story, but in particular, you could be a tzaddik, a Tamil Chacham, you could be a Taira leader with the platform of a Rosh Hashiva. You could be a tzaddik, you could be a Tamil Chacham, you could be a Taira leader when you're out in the world of business as well. Now we're going to get into a famous, well-known story of Nachum Ish Gamzu. The reason why I say famous and well-known 
Why am I saying it? It seems to be redundant. The answer is it's not redundant, and I'll tell you why. I've heard many times people share famous things that I never heard of, but they say it's famous. So I, that, then I feel like, you know, uh, I feel like I'm left out of the loop. So it's, fam- it's famous and it's well-known. People, uh, this is a type of story many of us are going to say, oh, Taka, I've heard the story of Nachum Ish Gamzu. Let's read the story. They said about Nachum Ish Gamzu, say, Nebuch, listen to this. Nachum Ish Gamzu was blind in both eyes. Gidim Ish both arms were amputated. Kita Mishte Raglov, both of his legs were cut off. His body was full of boils. He was laying in a house that was on the verge of collapsing. The legs of his bed, they purposely stood the bed in pails of water. So no little creepy bugs can get up there because didn't have any hands or feet to be able to rub the bugs off. So they put pails of water. Bugs don't live in water. Right, ants and other things. So, this way, if a if a bug needed to get up onto his bed, they would have to go through water, and uh, you know this is how they he was protected. So, on one particular occasion, when his he was laying there, so his children wanted to carry the bed out of his house, and then to take his uh, his kalim, his vessels out of the house. Who says to them, listen to this. Don't take me out and then the vessels. Rather, my dear students, children, first take out the vessels and then myself. Why? Listen to this. I know for sure. As long as I'm here, the walls are not going to collapse. I know they're standing here in my schos. This house should fall down. This is a house of cards. Yeah, this should fall down. But I know it's staying up in my schos. So here's the problem. If you take me out of the house, the walls are going to collapse on the vessels, on the furniture. So what they did was, first they took out the vessels, and then they took him out, the and the house fell down. So listen to this. The Tamidim said to Nochemish Gamzu, Rabbi, you're confident that the walls are not going to fall down. Lama also Why do you suffer like this? You lost your hands, you lost your feet, you lost your eyes, you have boils, but the house isn't falling down. If you're such a tzaddik that you're so confident, what's with the tzars? Omar lahem says nachemish gamzu to them. me. Listen, let me tell you a story. One time I shot into my father-in-law's house. I had with me three donkeys full of food. One had food, one had drink, one had all sorts of uh, herring and kichol and liver. Yeah, everything you need for the uh, the side dishes. There's a poor person came over to me on the road. I need some food. said to him, Wait for me until I finish unloading. And I started unloading my donkeys, and he died in the meantime. I went and I fell on his face. My eyes that didn't see into your eyes and didn't have Rachmanus on you should become blind. My hands, which didn't have Rachmanus on your hands, should fall off. 
and my legs that didn't have Rachmanus and your legs should be cut. And I did not get, I did not have Menucha Sanefesh. I did not cool off. Until I said that my whole body should be full of boils. Rebbe, okay, thanks for telling us the story. But why do we need to suffer by seeing you like this? Omar Lohem, he said to them, You know why? It would be worse if you don't see me like this. Okay? That's the story. That's the story of Nachamish Gamzu pointing out to his Talmidim this was something he asked for. But an important aside that we see so far from this, an important aside that we see that that we see so far is that previously we learned you're not allowed to sit near a ruined wall. You're not allowed to put yourself into a matzah of, of sakan. What you see from here, however, is that um, if a person is a tzaddik gomor, like Nochum Gamzu, then it seems like it's not a problem. Like you could you could talk to like rely on the fact that the wall is uh, is not going to to fall in. We're going to keep reading the story of Nochum Gamzu. Just want to share an incident that is a little more recent with um, with my Rishivas Achron Lebracha Rosenzi Finkel, where I used to learn in one of the Bote Medrash that I spent four years learning in was Ner Gavriel, learning Halacha Bi'im. And um, I had a, a big, a big uh, Talmud Chacham who sat on the same bench in, uh, in the mirror as me. And there was one, a year who was a lot older than me, who, who uh, was in business and retired and ended up joining our Chabura in the mirror. Already ended up joining our Chabura. And one morning, my Chabrusi wasn't there, his Chabrusi wasn't there, and he told me the following Maisa. He says that he was sitting with Rav Nassim Tzvi in a meeting concerning the yeshiva. This fellow had, uh, had raised millions and millions of dollars on behalf of various Maistas. Um, and Rav Nassim Tzvi had a bottle of orange soda on the table. And he tried pouring orange soda for the Zid. He was telling me the story. And Russ and Sri, as we know, had Parkinson's. He suffered from Parkinson's. And he was shaking. And he, he, he had a very hard time even opening up the soda bottle. So um, the Zid tells him, he says, Rashiva, I don't like orange soda. You don't need to pour me orange soda. Yeah, it's okay. So Russ and Sri says, no, eat, eat. I want to pour you the soda. That's it. He says he's, he realized how difficult it was. And Russell C was mama shaking. He, like his hand was shaking like a leaf, you know? And so the Seed tells him Nasan Sri, the Seed is sitting next to me on the bench. He tells him Nasan Sri. He said, I he said, Menachem, I gathered up the chutzpah to say this. And I said, I got tears in my eyes. It took a few minutes and he couldn't pour me a cup of soda. And I said, Rashiva, why do you deserve this? Same kasha that the Tamidim asked. Nochemish Gamzu, Rebbe, why are you suffering like this? He says to Rosh and Sweet, why do you deserve this? <laughs> Chutzpah. Listen to what he says. He says to Rosh and Sweet, told him, he says, uh, his name was Nochem. He says, Nochem, I asked myself that question. And you know what I realized? The reason why I have this, these Yasurim is because I love learning Taira so much that if I wouldn't have these Yasurim, I wouldn't even get Schar. 
That's how much I love learning Torah. And therefore, Kaddish Baruch Hu has to make it difficult for me. Because otherwise, I just love it so much. There's no Lefum Tzara Agra. I wouldn't be receiving Schar. That's what I decided. <laughs> this is what this is what Rassi tells this year. So yeah. So um, next, so this year, okay. Next time he was in New York, he he went over to Rav Pam and he says he says Rashiva, I need to tell you a story about the mirror Rashiva. I was with him and he couldn't pour the orange soda and I asked him why he has these saras and he says he that the reason is otherwise he wouldn't get schar. He loves learning Torah so much. He said Rav Pam put his arm around his shoulder. And he says, Nachum, that's a Misa for the mirror of Yeshiva. But guys like me and you, we learn for COVID. We learn, you know, we learn because we want to be honored by others. That's that's Rafam and his Anivas, you know. But that that's you know, that's there's a Misa behind it. There's a whatever. I don't know. You know, I don't I don't know if Russians we asked for it, but you know, apparently afterwards you say at least this is what the Yid's telling me. Uh, in this story. Okay, let's get back into the story of Nachamish Gamzu. Why was his name Nachamish Gamzu? How'd that become his last name? Anything that happened to him, Omar he would say, this is also good. Not that it's going to be good. Nachum would say, Gamzu This also is good. Listen to the story. One time. Boiler story is all done on the vacation. The the Yidden wanted to send a gift to the Caesar. Amru Allah Yezel. Amru Man Yezel. They said, Who's going to go bring the gift? Yezel Nachemish Gamzu. They said, Nachemish Gamzu was a big tzaddik. Because he was so great that there was always incredible things happening with him. Okay. They sent him a huge bribe. For the Caesar, for the Caesar, a treasure chest of valuables. Azal he went ba bahu bahu dira, and he stayed over at a inn. Bilela kamul hinach and during the night, the the uh, the people staying there got up v'shakunu le and they took all his stuff. They took all his gems. Melu afra, they filled it up with dirt, so he wouldn't realize there would still be weight. Okay, that take that out because it wasn't ready for, uh, we're not ready for the Gamzu Lataiva part. Okay. He came to the Caesar. They opened up the chest. They say he's bringing a gift of dirt to the Caesar. So the Caesar wanted to make a decree that all Jews should be killed. You're mocking me. You're making fun of me. This is what you send me? Dirt? The Jews are making fun of me. Omar, us came. And he looked as if he was an officer of the Caesar. Omar lay and he says to the Caesar, How do you know that they're mocking you with this dirt? Maybe this is the special miraculous dirt that Avramovinu used when he fought against the four or five kings. We know that Chazal teach us that when he was fighting against the kings, what did Avram Avinu do? He would bend down, pick up a handful of earth, chuck it, and have a saife gile, have a giri. And you hit his, each, each speck of dirt turned into a arrow. He made his swords, his swords out of, of dirt, and his arrows, uh, and what happened was, at that time, Caesar was having a hard time um, 
conquering one city he wanted to conquer. So they took the dirt that Nachum Gamzu brought them, and they started throwing it at the city, and that's what happened. The same miracle that was performed for Avavinu, this dirt turned into these arrows. And they went, um, they, they went into the, the storehouse, the, the treasury of Caesar. They ended up giving Nachum all of these precious gems, and they sent them off. Mamish, you, you saved Rome. You saved Caesar and all of Rome. This is the tremendous miracle that took place with him. All right? Now, listen to this. There's a beautiful lima here, and I have a little bit of a Messiah from my, uh, from, I, I believe this is from my grandfather, who I'm named after, as how to keep reading this story. When Nachum went back, he stayed at the same hotel. This is a very important statement. And this is what, this is the Kiddush I want to share. Nachum wasn't a slouch. He knew exactly what's going on. Nachum was not like some naive who's, oh, punked. Would you go back to the same hotel? When you realize what happened, probably not. But Nochum Tavka went back to the same hotel to get them back. He wasn't, he's a Yiv who's not going to be messed with. He went back to that same hotel on purpose, Amrulay, and they said to Nochum, Whoa, we thought you'd be dead. My Isis Bahadach. Look at you. Hot stuff. You're laden with all sorts of valuables. Caesar was so impressed with you. He says to them, listen, whatever I took from here, I brought there. I know exactly what you guys did. And let me tell you the story. And he was setting them up. This is the addition. I'm saying this over in a way. I believe my grandfather used to be the Gemara. He purposely did this to get them back. They knocked down their whole inn, and they took all their dirt to Caesar. Yet they're going to become rich. This is the dirt that Nachum brought you. We're so, we love you so much. We're going to give you all of it. And they all got killed. Yeah, all these guys um, who, uh, who tried to mess up Nachum. Nachum went back to the same hotel. He was rich. Took care of business and he headed off uh, and he headed off on his way. Period. Two dots. End of that uh, Gemara. Okay. What is considered a plague? Any city that has 500 men who are involved in the community. Okay. Involved does not mean in Askanos, but like they're around, they go to Minyan, they're, you know. And you have three people out of 500, so less than 1%, who, who uh, die on three consecutive days. That's considered now a plague. If you have a city that has 1,500 men who are involved, and you have nine people. In other words, look at the ratio. 500 would be three. Now I got 1,500, and it would be nine. That's considered dever. Uh, what happens if nine people die in one day? Or nine people die over four days? 
that's not considered debtor. And also, a city that's got 500. Three people die on three days, one after another. So, like our Mishnah, that is considered debtor. Top of Chaf Aleph on the base. But if you have a city of 500 involved men and three people who die all on one day, so it might just be a bad day. Or it's spread out, meaning there's a one day gap, means a dever that is not considered dever. Okay. Now, just to reiterate what we learned a couple days ago, and that is there's a reason why we're translating 500 involved men. Okay, do we just let's clarify this? Rashi had pointed out 500 involved men is to let us know that it's people who are exposed to other people. All right. So if it's uh, you know if it's a a young child or a woman, uh, very sometimes these people may be at home more often than everybody else, right? Where you can have somebody who's a man who's not doesn't get out there and is not you know is kind of a hermit who doesn't you know doesn't uh, get out to shul or whatever. So when we, we're translating involved men, we're seeing men who could be exposed to each other, and you have three people out of the five hundred on three consecutive days. That's a simon in Hashemayim that there's a plague which is existing, and that would be a cause for a fast. And what this price pointed out is that it works ratio wise, right? The same way it's three people on three consecutive days out of five hundred. So too, it would be true with nine people on three consecutive days out of 1,500. Okay. Second line on Chafal of Hamadis. The Raikat was a city, where they found, they found 500 men who are involved, the Yatsumi Menu, and Gazar of Nachabar of Chistotanis. Three men died in one day, not on three consecutive days, one day. And still, Rav Nachman, Baruch Hista said there should be a fast. Amar, Rav Nachman, Baruch Hista, come on, who are you following? Rav Meir, Damar, Richik, Genichusov, Chayov, Kreyov, Nigichusov. Beautiful. It's like Rav Meir was of the opinion that when your goring's over three days, then you're Chayov, the animal's now in Muad, when it's spread out, um, and uh, when it, so when it's spread out, your chayav certainly if it happens all in one day. Let's explain. So this is taking us into Hilchas Bavakama. Yeah, so let's talk about Bavakama. Um, here's the halacha. If you have an ox that gores once, the owner of that ox needs to pay chatsi pays half damage. And that animal is called a shartam. A shartam? It's a, it is an ox where it's unexpected for it to gore. Then the ox gores again. You pay half. Then the ox gores again. So then it's a Shiloh, the third time or the fourth time when an animal, you know, which when the animal is going to start paying Nezek Shalim. But certainly once it gores three times, it, it earned the status of being a Shar Nagach and it's a Muad. Once it goes three times, that's for sure. Okay. Now, Rav Meir says in Bavakamu that 
the same way if an ox gores in a pattern of three days, gores Sunday, gores Monday, gores Tuesday, now it's a muad. Says Rav Meir, certainly if it gored Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, it's a muad. If you're going to call it a muad for three consecutive days, it's certainly going to be a muad three, if, one, if it gores like boom, 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 three times in a row. Okay? That's the opinion of Rav Meir. Now, says um, Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak to Rav Nachman Bar Rav Chista, by you declaring a tainus when three people died in one day, you must be following the opinion of Rav Meir, who says that if you're going to fast when people die three days in a row, Kavachaymer, you should fast when three people die in one day. Okay, we're copying the connection? Yeah, the same way a, a shar becomes a mood on three consecutive gorings days, so too a city should fast when three people die on three consecutive days. Kavachaymer, according to the mayor, how much more so should you fast when three people die in one day? He says, one second. He says, Why don't you come and live with us? He says to him, Tanina, we uh, we learned in a uh, we learned in a missionary. Ah, it is. It's not where you live that gives you COVID. It's not where you live. It's not, oh, I live in the Hamptons. I live in here. I live over there. I live in St. Louis. It's the people who live there that make the city chash. It's the person. It's the people who bring COVID to a city. Okay? She calls Mashkina Shriya love. As long as the Shrina was on Harsinai, um, the Torah says, nobody can touch our Sinai. Once the Shekhinah leaves, um, yeah, when the Shaifer blasts, they go up on the mountain. You understand? What's the difference between Lakewood and Yerushalayim? Yeah, people make a joke. Lakewood, Yerakadish. We love Lakewood. Yeah, Lakewood, Yerakadish. Right? Why is that a joke? Because there's a lot of Tyra. But the moment Tyra leaves Lakewood, Lakewood is just Lakewood. The moment Tyra leaves Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim is still Yerushalayim. It has intrinsic Kedusha. It has intrinsic holiness. That's what we're saying. It's not the place. It's the people in the place that make it special. Once the Shekhinah left Har Sinai, you could go mountain biking on Har Sinai. You can go Send that any person with saras from the camp. But once the kapiris um, was put away and we traveled, all of a sudden the zom are allowed to be there. Okay, so he's basically saying, listen, I don't need to move to your city. That's not what it's about. Because your, your city doesn't have intrinsic kedusha. It's all about the people who live there. So I'm fine with the people by me. Amar she says to Rabnachmar Mar, then I'm going to come live with you. Because if you live in a different city, I got it. That means the Shekhinah is with you. It's better, it's better that a something worth a hundred dollars will we'll call it 
okay, um, which comes from $50, should come to a $100, the son of $100, Valyavai Mane Ben Mane Eitzel Mane Ben Paras. Okay, what he's saying, what, what he's stating, it, what, what he's sta- stating, I'm sorry, is that there's no need for you to, uh, to come to me because if my father would be living here, then Taka, I would agree, it's Kedai to come live in, uh, in, the, in our city, in the vicinity where we have the Hillel Ketzad, like my father. But over here, I'm just half of what my father was. And therefore, there's no reason for you to pick up and move to my area. Okay, and now we're going to get into a beautiful and important, there's so many Limudim on this daf. You don't want it to end. Tomorrow is also a fantastic daf. But uh, listen, Baruch Hashem, tons of Torah to learn it. We're going to talk about the, the, um, the uh, beauty, the beauty of having tzaddikim in our vicinity, as well as the beauty of becoming that tzaddik. And we'll explain as we go through the Gemara. Okay? Besura habes debarta, beshivuse derab loy habes debarta. There was a, there was dever, there was a plague in Sura, but um, in, in Rav's particular area, the plague didn't touch. So let's imagine you have a whole city, New York City, there's a plague, but within a few blocks around uh, some Rebbe's house, doesn't touch. People said, oh, you know why in the vicinity of Rav, there's no plague? Because Rav, big tzaddik. Listen to this. It was shown to them in a dream. Rav This is like, Rav has a lot of schusim. That's for sure. However, this has nothing to do with Rav. There was a Yid who used to lend out his shovels to others to do kvuras. It's his chus. Let's read another story like this, and we're going to pull out such an important message. There was fires that were burning in Duraikat, but it didn't go near Ravuna's area. They said, oh, because Ravuna is a big tzaddik. It was shown to them in a dream. Ravuna Taka would have been Zaycha, Taka, but it's not necessary. To use, uh, to use his chosim to protect the town over in that area. You know why? There's a special woman. She would warm up her ovens so that her neighbors can cook in it. She took care of her area. She started a gamach, a warm oven gamach, the same way some other guy started up a shovel gamach so people can bury. What do you see from this? And I think this is so poignant, and I don't have a proof to what I'm saying, but you just say for our city, we've for the most part been spared over the past couple of years with this whole virus thing. And Baruch Hashem, we've taken proper precautions. 
I'm not a tzaddik. However, our minds are allowed to take messages from things. And one particular message I personally take why our city has been so protected is because of the shalom that exists from everybody in St. Louis. That's my opinion. I don't know if I'm right. But the way that the Kahillas work together, the ways that the shuls work together, the way that they're abundant, the way that they're, the lay people, everybody's, nobody's like, but everybody else is doing and judging and then and you do this and I do this and you don't do enough and I do this and you're vexed. Everybody just like, let's try to do our best and, and, and there remained total shalom. It's not for it's of a particular person. It's because the kahil is there with shalom. And when there's shalom, that's it. Nothing can affect us. This is my, this is my own personal thought. This is what the Gemara is saying. You understand? Very often we think special things come from special, the, the, the most, the, the most uh, influential and important people. And the Gemara is saying, wrong. You're right that that could be a schos. But these dreams are showing that when a, you live in a community where there's a gemach to help people be buried, there's a gemach to help people have food, the Eilam just there doing good to zachen. People are just being good to each other. That is the schus that protects us. Amalei, the Reb Yehuda. They said to Reb Yehuda, Asu Kamsi, there's locust. Oive, what are we going to do? Gozar Tanisa. He declared a tainus. Amalei, laika mafsidna. They said, um, um, there's locust, but laika mafsidna, it's, uh, it's, it's not so dangerous. Meaning that it's not a huge risk. Omar Lehu, Zabda Aisu Bahadai. Okay? He says, did they bring their suitcases? In other words, it looks like they're not going to ruin everything, but they do need to eat. And therefore, I'm going to declare a tainus to nip it in the bud. Omar Lehu, Rav Yehuda, Ika Musana Bechaziri, Gazar Tanisa. Even if the Chazerim, the PIGs, are, are uh, dying, it's also worthwhile to declare a fast. Now says the Gemara, name of Kasama Rav Yehuda, Makam Bushalachas, Min Echad Bushalachas, Bikolaminim. It seems if he's declaring a fast because the PIGs are dying, what is that? How does that impact Klal Yisrael? Nothing. We don't do anything with PIGs. We stay away. We don't even want to say their names, right? So why is he declaring a fast? It must be he's concerned that once it starts with the PIGs, it's going to spread to the beef, to the cows, to Betsy. To which the Gemara says, Shani Chazeri, the Damyon Menayu, the Bay, and she. Yeah. The reason why he declared a fast for the PIGs is because the stomachs of a PIG is their innards. Actually, that's what it means. They're Mayayan, their innards. And this Gemara is so amazing. I'll tell you why. They just came out with this fascinating study. The innards, the inner um, uh, workings of the digestive system of a PIG is similar to that of a human. And therefore, if the, if the PIGs are starting to get hurt, you, and we don't call a fast now, it could spread to the humans. They just came out, I believe, a month ago, two months ago. Um, they're starting to, uh, they did a, a kidney transplant to a human from a, from a PIG, and it took. It was the first time that they did a transplant from an animal to a human, and they used a PIG, 
they used the Chazir, and it took. This was, I believe, two months ago. I haven't heard any updated studies, but it's fascinating, you know, that the Gemara over here is saying is stating that the inner workings of a of a Chazir is similar to that of a human, and and they're just now starting to uh, come up with potential um, um, potential transplants from Chazerim to humans. There is a there's a, there's a plague in Bechuzai. Goes to Tanisa. He said, "Okay, it's going to be a fast." Listen, it's not by us yet. Listen, and we know this from the coronavirus, right? This fascinating Gemara that we're learning during this time. He says, uh, "Listen, no rivers stop the virus. It keeps going." They say to they said to Rav Nachman. There's a plague in Eretz Yisrael. He said, okay, we got to fast. He says, if Eretz Yisrael, the princess of all lands, is having tzaras, how much more so do we in Bavel need to realize we are in a sakana? Time of the Gavir of Shivcha. The reason why he declared a fast in Bavel for what was taking place in Eretz Yisrael is because we consider Eretz Yisrael to be the master and Bavel to be the servant. But it seems that let's say you'd have one servant have an issue, uh, you know, a plague, then the, another servant doesn't need to be concerned about the plague. I says the Gemara, so because it wasn't Eretz Yisrael, they need to be nervous in Bavo. Seems to imply, says the Gemara, but let's say it would have taken place in St. Louis. Would they need to be concerned in Bavo? No. What about the story of Shmuel, where they told him there was a plague in Bechuzai and Gazar Tanisa? And he, he said that uh, there's got to be a tightness here as well because the plague can just keep spreading. Says the Gemara, Shani Hasam, Kibon the Iko Sharyasa, Dilavoy, Asya, Baha, Doi, Abba. That's the next story, okay? Uh, since there is a Sharyasa, since there are um, caravans, people that travel from one city to the other, you, the, he was concerned that perhaps they're going to bring the plague along with them. So what we're coming out with at this, at this uh, point is when would they declare a tainus if the plague has not yet reached their city? Number one is if it's something taking place in Eretz Yisrael, because if Eretz Yisrael could be hurt, then how much more could it be hurt outside of Eretz Yisrael? And secondly, if you have two places outside Eretz Yisrael where people travel from one to the other, also there's opportunity for also there's opportunity for the plague to continue. Okay, Nach a story, another story. Abba Umana Habe Asile Shlama Mimisifta Tirakia Koyema. This is such another beautiful, beautiful Gemara. Abba the doctor. There was a doctor, his name was Abba, and he would get a Shalom Aleichem from Shamayim every single day. Shamayim would say, Oh. Was Herzog Rababa, Dr. Abba, how you doing? Ulabai Komali Yuma de Shabbat, and Abaye would only get a Shomalechem on Arab Shabbos. The Rabba Komali Yuma de Kipuri, Rabba would get a Shomalechem from Shemaim every Arab Yom Kippur. Abakosho Daiti Dabai Mishum da Abba Umana. Abaye who got a Shomalechem every Friday, he said, Oh, what's, what's this doctor getting a Shomalechem every day? Umbrella said to Abaye, Matis the Mevako of the, let me tell you something. You know why you, Abaye, sitting in the base Medrash? cannot become and reach the madrega of Dr. Abba. Let me tell you why. 
Umay have of day the Abba Umona. You know what's special about Dr. Abba? Whenever he would do a procedure on somebody, he had separate waiting rooms. Men on one side, women on the other side. And he would give them tzniyas clothing when they would come in. They would come in to get an exam. And there was only a hole in it to expose whatever he needed to work on. Whenever a woman would come to him, have a he would have her get dressed first. He doesn't need to look at anything. And he had a very private place. There was no secretary asking for insurance. After people were finished, there was a little slot that if you could afford to pay, there was a fee, call it $100, whatever it was, you'd slide your money through. Those who had money would pay. And whoever didn't have money wouldn't be embarrassed. Nobody saw a receptionist. Nobody saw who had insurance, who didn't have insurance, how much money it cost. And whenever there would be a Tzorba Mirabonam, a Talmud Chacham, somebody who dedicated his life to Torah, he refused to accept money. Okay? He refused to accept money. And when this Talmud Chacham would get up, he would give him money. And he would say, go, uh, go buy yourself something to stay healthy. That's what he would do. By the way, by the way, to learn, like I, my mind's exploding from what to learn. First of all, just start with the overarching idea. What they told Abai was, because you sit in the base medrash, everybody just has their own place. But you can't. You're not exposed to the mitzvahs and opportunities that Dr. Abba has. You're just not exposed to it. Doctor, and, and look, look at what he does. Besides for the tzniyas, and besides for the honor and respect that he gives to each patient, and he takes the young Tamidei Chachamim. And keep in mind, these Tamidei Chachamim are not necessarily poor. Doesn't say he saw a poor Tamid Chacham. You could have a Tamid Chacham that has money. He still wouldn't take payment. Because he wanted a chilek in their tire. Just a covenant tire. You could have a, a, a Tamid Chacham, a guy sitting in yeshiva, and he inherited $10, $10 million. Rav Abba would not take money. He says, you're sitting and learning tire. I want a chilek in this. I want a part in this. You're not paying me. Fakert, I'm going to give you something to enhance your health so that you could sit and learn more Torah. That he had a one-track mind, and that is bringing Kiddush Hashem to the world. When you live your life in such a fashion where from the time you wake up and go to work to, until the time you go to bed, you're just looking for opportunities to bring Kvayt Shemayin, you're going to get a daily Shalom Aleichem. And Abaye, the Heliga Abaye, didn't have that opportunity. One day, Abaye sent some Rabbanim to check out what's going on. So they come to Dr. Abba's office, and Dr. Abba sits them down, he gives them to eat and drink. And he gave them mattresses. So that they can come to a mattress they can sleep on top of tomorrow's daf. 
litzafra in the morning, kachinu bishaklinu. Took it with them. The kamu nafkulu l'shuka, and they went out to the shuk. Vashkichinu, and they saw the doctor. Amrulei, the shami emar hechi shavu. Tell us how much these are worth. Now, he gave them these mattresses last night, these sleeping bags, and they say how much are these worth? They stole it from him. Amar lehu hachi bahachi. It's worth fifty dollars each. Maybe you think somebody would pay some more for it. That's what I pay for it. So I know they're $50. <laughs> I know it's 50 bucks a pop. And they said, we, we took it from you and they are really yours. To end off the story, let's keep going. We gotta finish, let's finish this off just on a couple lines. And they said to Dr. Abba, this this When we showed you these mattresses that we stole from your house, what were you thinking? I said, listen, you know, perhaps, I, I know you're yeshiva guys. I know you guys are involved in helping Claudia. So maybe there's pidyan shvuyim. You mamash need the money urgently. And you needed to, these were the first two things you saw. You know, you saw a hundred bucks. But you're too embarrassed to ask me for money. So this is like the way you were hinting to me that you needed some money. Here, you can take it back. You should know, I don't want it back. It's all tzedakah. As soon as I saw it and I thought that it was going to be given for Pidya and Shuyim, now I just want that value to be used for something of that cause or similar to that cause. Rava, who only got a Shomalechem on Erev Yom Kippur, felt bad because Abayi got it every week. That it should be enough. You're right, you're not getting a daily Shomalechem. We don't, we, we don't have a whole long story like we just proved with Dr. Abba. Tomorrow, we'll say some more Heliga stories about Heliga Yidin who went out to work and achieved tremendous, uh, tremendous things. But over here, they were telling Rava, listen, you're right, you don't get a weekly Shalom Aleichem, it only comes here from Kippur, but entire cities are protected in your schos. That's enough, don't worry, you're taka tzaddik, you don't need to be concerned about your, about your Avedas Hashem. You're also in good standing. We'll hold it here for today. Have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos, everybody, and Afrelech and Chanan. What time tomorrow?